Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for this day in the house of God. Thank you for refreshing our hearts in your word. Thank you for showing us that in a place of despair, there's hope and there is a uh, future and, and it's not dim for you've yet to fulfill your great glorious purposes for this generation. And we declare that you are for us and not against us and you will, uh, as your word says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, you will raise up a standard against him. There will always be one who stands in the midst of the valley and will speak life into lifeless bones and an army will rise up and it will be a day of glory, Father. We give you thanks for your word this morning. We ask you to bless it in our hearts that it would strengthen us, that it would be our meditation day and night as the week goes along and that we might be encouraged to speak out and to be a reference in a godless generation where fools are speaking louder than people who follow your word and the commandments of your wisdom. Prosper your word in our hearts this morning and allow us to see things from your perspective that we might rejoice and be glad. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So we are talking about the greatness of God last week. If you weren't here, get a copy, go on iPod and listen to this. Uh, the world-changing greatness of our God. Everyone who's ever been able to overcome the challenges of this life is because they've put their eyes on Jesus and they've been able to see his greatness and not on their circumstances. That is a tactic and a strategy to overcome. Romans 5.2 says, Through Jesus, we also have obtained access by faith into a grace where we stand. This is, this is a life of a Christian. There's no doubt that Christians stand different than worldly people. Why? Because we have faith, because we have grace, because we stand, we rejoice, and we glory in God. These things are not pertaining to just anybody. It's to us. Through who? Through him. Through Jesus Christ. And so here it is, verse 3. It says that in the midst of these tribulations... Not only that we have access to faith through grace, we stand, rejoice in the hope of glory, but that we also glory in tribulations. Who are the only people that rejoice in the midst of trials? Why? Because God tells us to. That's why we, we're, a lot of people think we're a bunch of weirdos. It's like, oh... This is going wrong, but God knows that he has a purpose in this crazy situation. God has a plan. And so I've come to the place where when I see a lot of trouble, uh, like one of the old prophets um, that, that would say, every time the atmosphere gets to a deep, gloomy darkness, this is my prophet, tell me, that tells me victory is coming. Amen. This is what he was said. Once, once he was in a place where he was surrounded by deep bouts of depression, he would say, I'm going to hang on because the Lord is about to show up on the scene. I don't want to let go and find myself outside of his provision. So that's why we glory in tribulations. 
We glory in tribulations. We rejoice in hardships. We count it great joy when we enter into diverse trials. James 1, 2 says, consider it full joy when you come into diverse trials. Count it all joy when you go through problems. Listen, if you didn't know what the Bible says, you would call this not a healthy atmosphere. But if you know what the Bible says, we could count it a glorious time in tribulations. Going back to Romans 5, verse 3. We rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering is producing endurance. Knowing that hardship is the, is the production house of something that we need. That is the depth of character. I don't want to be around uh, the people that, that are just, you know, fanciful floating wherever the wind blows and, and they, they have no depth and superficiality. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. Um, they're your friends when things are going good and then they don't know you whenever things are going contrary. I don't want to be around these people. Uh, they, they don't make for good friends. Uh, I want those that are deep entrenched in lifelong good, bad, and ugly, I'm here for better or for worse type of friends. Uh, that's why there in the midst of difficulties, um, there's character being produced. We go on to verse 4, and it says we can glory in tribulations knowing that this difficulty will produce endurance and that you can place character as the product of endurance, and then if you hang on, if you hang on, hang on. I was just saying to my sister last night, I was driving down 8th Street, and she was right next to me with my nephew and his wife, and I pulled down my window, and I said, I just want you guys to know something. Ain't no trial lasts forever. That's it. It's not biblical. No difficulty is forever. And so I know that we're being tested with fire and that we're being tested on every side, but it's just simply not biblical for me to suffer forever. That's not biblical. There, there comes a time of rejoicing after I've passed the test. So I'm still being tested, being challenged. Um, we were reading... Proverbs 18.12, which is the verse for the day for some people. And it says there, first comes humility and then comes great honor. Amen. Before great honor, God needs to test you. And if you're not worth the test, you're not worth the honor that's coming. If you don't go through the trial, that you're not going to be able to inherit the promises of God. So just as... Pride comes before destruction. Before honor comes, comes a time of testing. Um, some people are able to see aspects of my life uh, that, that have great attraction, uh, my marriage. But you guys should have been there while I was going through my single life, waiting on the Lord. See, that was the depth of humility and loneliness. Uh, all my friends were getting married and running, and I was like, Lord, where's my Proverbs 31? Where is she? But the time of humility 
tried a good marriage. And, and so we're rejoicing now. We've been forever because we waited. Those of you guys that are single, you need to go through humility before you get honor. You, I, want you, I want the Lord to make you suffer so that when you get married, you won't give any suffering to your spouse. You need to have a good time. I hope you suffer a lot right now, hardship of being alone, so that when he brings the provision, now you're like, I better not mess this up. I better, I better enjoy this all the way through. So before the end, I remember Omarito suffering. Oh, he was all skinny. Where's my Proverbs 31? <laughs> suffering, humility, and now honor, enjoying his wife, his baby, his family. There's a time of hardship. And if you're not going to go through that time, then it's not worth the glory. It's not worth the, 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 the product at the end of this trial. So the biblical formula, going back to Romans 5, is that this is all producing a character in you. And this character will produce hope. Verse 4. Endurance will produce character and character hope, this expression of joy. In the expectation of God's goodness. Verse 5. It says hope will not disappoint us. Because God will show up uh, with pouring out in our hearts his love through the Holy Spirit. So you see this, this process of, of testing, trials, affliction, suffering. What's the motive? What is the expression of our heart during this time? Great joy. Great expectation. A character that's not giving up, that's not throwing in the towel. We, we're, we're, we're tired of wimpy Christians. That's it. We're tired. We want to see men that go through sufficient uh, hardships. And, uh, our greatest task during our trials is to patiently wait. How good are you at going through this difficult time? Um, and that's what God is producing in you so that glory could come. 1 Corinthians 3.12, quickly, it says, If anyone is building with the Lord, the foundation should be gold, silver, or precious stones. There should be uh, precious things being laid in this time of suffering. You get to uh, lay down things that will last forever, or you're just throwing a tantrum and you're just... Uh, having a bummer the whole time. Uh, you decide what, let's read that, 1 Corinthians 3, 12. What is, what is that's being laid down during this hardship of time? Anyone who's uh, building as a foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones. Now, there's some of you that your trials, you're barely getting over them and not even accurately you're moving towards wood, hay, and straw. Lord, I don't care. Like my kids used to say when we were playing basketball, I was uh, coaching them in Little League, and we would lose an entire season. We lost every game. So they were saying, Dad, why don't we win? I said, because God's building character. And they said, we're sick of character. We want to win already. And I say, you don't be sick of character. You're going to need it up the road. You're going to need it up the road, and you don't want to cut yourself short. Today, my kids suffer like nothing. They enjoy everything. Um, there's no wood, hay, and straw about it. Verse 13, each one, turn to your neighbor and says, your work will become clear. Each one's work will become clear. We're going to see that, that horrible expression of sadness 
of bitterness, of resentment, because you didn't let the, the perfect work of that trial produce joy in the midst of the day. And, 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 and however worse or bad your trial is, I want to tell you it could get worse. Uh, we met a man in Peru. This is no, no lie. It was last year we were sitting at his table, and he had lost four children by the age when they each turned two years old. All four of them. They had a genetic illness, and he would raise them up, raise them up, and they would die. Then the second one, raise them up, raise them up, and they would die. And I was like, how, how much could a, a person take? How much could a person suffer? I, listen to me. I don't want to have, I don't want, I don't want that measure to be upon my life. In other words, if you're not enjoying your trial, maybe the Lord needs to up the ante a little bit. If you're not speaking right in the midst of trial, the men learned this week on Monday night, Ezekiel, not Ezekiel, I'm sorry, we're going through the book of Job. Job 34, verse 36. This is what we learned on Monday night. If you're not coming Monday night, you're a fool. Unless you got to work or you got other parties. But you got to be here because God's speaking stuff for your own good. He says, oh, this is a young man saying, I wish that Job went through more suffering. That he were tried to the highest level so that he would stop speaking like ungodly men. How, how many want the fire in your life to go so high that you start crying out for mercy and asking God to limit the words on your lips that are not conformed to his righteousness? That's what, that's what trials are for. Trials are to bring and to develop the character of God in you. In other words, we said it this morning that our world-changing trials are to bring us in alignment with the greatness of God. We're not there yet. We don't think like God. We don't speak like God. We don't live like God. And God wants to bring us to this perfection. And so here, Job's friend said, and I don't know, I was telling the guys on Monday night, I have never prayed that for anybody. I have some people that, that you, you think, man, my fuego. Give them more fire, Lord. Send some lions after them. Give them a couple bears and let them go through the grueling process of not having a job for 10 years. No income. So that they would come and ask you for mercy. Ask you for, for, for that they would ask that they would have the capacity to repent. To come right before you. And that's what Job's friend is telling him. He's saying, oh, that Job were given trials of the utmost kind. Remember, a couple years ago, it must have been about seven, eight years ago, I promised Yvette, it had to be more, it was 15 years ago, because I was practicing law, and I had some clients that called me. I, I had told Yvette, look, I'm working so hard, I promise you, this Saturday is yours. I'm going to dedicate the whole day to my wifey and to my children. We're just going to have a family time. At 6 o'clock in the morning Saturday, my client, who had never called me to go play foursome golf, calls 6 o'clock in the morning. Never happened before. Hey, we need one more golf player. I'm there. <laughs> I sneak out of my bed. I put on my golf shoes. I get it's the seventh hole, and my ball falls right at the edge, and when I go get it, I fall, close and all, in the seventh hole. I almost drowned. I lost my seven iron. I was up to here in water. I thought the crocodiles were going to get me. 
I came out, I was repenting as I tried to get out. Lord, sorry, I'll never do this to Yvette again. I get out of the lake and I'm full of water. And then the guys were like, what happened to you? Leave me alone. I call Yvette immediately. I said, honey, are you praying? She was probably praying this prayer. Lord, give Joaquin the utmost trial. So he stops being like a wicked man. Look, I've been a pastor now for 18 years. I have never prayed this for anybody. I have never prayed this for anybody. Not even close. Because I don't wish that any of us would have to go through trials. I know they're necessary. I know they produce change like this fast. I was like, I'll never do this to you again. I'm sorry. You're praying, right? You're talking to God, right? I'm telling you, women could pray. They could pray. They got a connection. These things are laying a foundation, and everyone's life is going to declare it. 1 Corinthians 3, 13. Each one's work will become clear. The day will show it for what it is because it will be revealed by fire. Trials are the ones that reveal the depth of our character. They, they reveal who you really are. You can say whatever you want, but in the day of hardship, the fire will test each one to see what is on the inside. That's the only thing that does it. Verse 15, if anyone... I'm sorry, verse 14... If anyone's work which he has built on endures, if it lasts after the trial, then a reward comes. This is what I'm saying. No trial lasts forever. I'm, listen, I'm waiting for my reward. I'm standing strong. I'm not wavering. I'm holding on to see the glory of God, to see his response. He will receive a reward. Verse 15, if anyone's work is burned, if it doesn't hold up under the fire, he'll suffer loss. He himself will be saved, yet though as through fire. In Genesis 22, we have an example here in the life of Abraham where God sees him with his arms stretched out, a knife in hand, about to sacrifice his son. And God says in Genesis 22:12, do not move your hand out against your son. Don't do anything to him. For in the midst of this trial, now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Uh, this verse always has us considering what type of God do we have that would ask somebody for their son. Listen, your capacity to contemplate whatever the hardship might be is to produce maturity, confidence, and knowledge in your God so that you would understand uh, him from a, a greater level. Psalm 56 verse 8, Lord, you've seen my tears. You've seen my trials. You've seen my wilderness. You number every single one of the deserts you put me through, and my tears are in your bottle. Are they not recorded in your book? 
This is the, the closeness, the proximity of God in the midst of our difficulties and hardships. And I can tell you the times in the last 34 years that, that my eyes have continued to flow with tears of brokenness and hardship and, and curiosity and doubt and, and all manner of situations that have taken place. Uh, but there in those times is where you need to align yourself up with the greatness of God because that's what God wants to do at the end of the day. Uh, when he says, let's go to verse 13. Oh, no, it says, let me see that. Genesis 22, 13, maybe. It's the previous one, 12. Because of this trial, now I know that you're not going to withhold anything from me, even the things that are precious in your life. The trial revealed that reality. The trials reveal where your standing is with God. Deuteronomy 8, 2, he says, I took you through this desert and led you all the way for 40 years through this wilderness. Chapter 8, verse 2. To know what was in your heart, to humble you, to test you. Look at the three things that happened during testing. You shall remember the Lord your God who led you all the way these 40 years in a desert to humble you, to bring you to humility before honor, to test you, to see what's, what would be revealed in your heart, to know the depth of your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Are you going to stay the course? Are you going to fulfill the purpose? Verse 3, so he humbled you and allowed you to know it says, and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, his provision, which you did not know before this trial. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man is not to live by bread alone. Your trials are not the dictate of your reality, what God is saying to your life. Because man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. And in that trial, verse 4 your garments did not wear out, nor did your feet swell these 40 years. Verse 5, you should know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord is disciplining you. Um, I, I love, you know, we all concentrate on the bad part of this front end of the work of God. I love verse 16. What's it say in verse 16? The same chapter. He says that he might humble you, that he might test you to bring you Good in the end. No trial happens without good in the end. So I'm just going to hang on because I know that it's not biblical for trials to last an eternity. And that my good is, will be revealed. I'm, I have an expectation. Every, door that, every day the door knocks, I'm saying, here it is. Here it is. I'm waiting for... That season of my life, and, and, and just uh, in a manifold scenario, the expectation of this trial will come to an end soon. I'm, I'm going to be better looking at the end of the day, I'm telling you right now. I, I am. I mean, when you, you single people, you better be getting better and not bitter. You, the day the door knocks, you know, 
what do you want? I was going to marry you, but now I'm going to go next door. <laughs> it's definitely not what I'm looking for. But that's not God. God is looking for you to have the beauty of a character tried and true that's the substance of your hardships and dealings. Um, that we might have the good at the end of the day. That, that is the concept of suffering and hardship. What was Job saying before his friend decided to want increased trials? And I want to fix you this morning so we leave this place in about five minutes. In Job 34 verse 5, Job was going around speaking like wicked man saying, I have done nothing wrong. I don't deserve this trial. I said I am righteous, but God is a thief and he wants to take away my joy. He's not giving me what I want. Listen, you're talking like that. You're talking like the wicked man. I don't deserve this. Well, God doesn't know if I deserve this. Or who told God? I mean, man, in one particular verse here, um, one of the words that Job was saying in this same chapter, he was saying, who, this is crazy. He said, who made God the boss of the universe? Don't go there now. I want to show you that verse because it's crazy. Verse 15? No, 13. Yeah, that's it. Who gave him charge over my life anyways? Who made him my boss? Who appointed him to decide what's going on? Listen to me. If you don't know that he's the boss, it's the boss. Is there Manny? Where's Manny? Is Manny here? No, he's on vacation. Uh, Manny went to a construction site and he was kind of concerned. And he told the guy that was working, hey, you got it was in my house. You got to fix that. He goes, yes, boss man. Yes, boss man. We're, we're, in, we're in a day and age where people don't know who the boss is anymore. That's chaos and confusion. So he's talking like an ungodly man. Verse 5, he says, I am righteous and God is a thief. Verse 6, he says, what God is doing in my life. The Lord is taking away my right to tell the truth about what's going on. This wound is incurable. He's messing with my life at an irreparable level. Even though I am without transgression. I don't need this. I don't need character training. I don't need God to mess with my life. Who, who speaks like that? The wicked man. Verse 7, the young man says, Job, what man is like Job who drinks mockery like if it were water? He's mocking God. In his attitudes, before his trials, he's just displaying all manner of improper expressions before God. Verse 8, you know why? Because he goes around with ungodly people. He's always garnering his opinion by the people that surround him in his day. He goes in the company of workers of iniquity, people who do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. They talk about the things of God with no depth and seriousness. He walks like with wicked men. What does he say since he walks with wicked men? Verse 9, 
For he has said, it's no good that man, it doesn't profit man anything to please God. Listen, this man needs a trial. He needs hardship. He needs difficulty. He needs to be aligned with God. He needs to come back into course. When Job, uh, Jonah decided to jump on the ship and go against God, that's when the storm arose. When they threw him overboard, it's because he wasn't going in the direction of God. And then we get upset. Why did God cause the storm? Why is God holding me out in hardship? Why? Listen to me. I, I want to chase around the presence of God and his will and please him in all things and attain to rewards that he has prepared for me and not rub against the grain and get a bunch of splinters. Here, Job is saying it profits man nothing that he should please God. It's a waste of time to please God. You know who speaks like this? Ungodly people. Ungodly people say there's no, there's no gain in the pain of suffering hardship. Verse 10, this young man says, then listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do anything that's wicked, from the Almighty to commit iniquity. Verse 11, he pays no one according to his work and makes man to find a reward according to his way. Each man will receive what he is pursuing. Verse 12, God would never do anything wicked, nor will he pervert justice. It's super important that we understand that all this is for our gain and benefit. 1 Peter 4.12, my brethren, do not consider it a weird thing when you are going through fiery trials. What do Latinos say when they're going through a trial? Ready? When you hear that, brother, you know your pants are on fire. You know it's time to exit, and that fire is going to produce a great expression of God's faithfulness. Do not think it weird, strange, unusual when fiery trials, which is to try you. Find out what's going on there. As though something strange were happening to you. What are we supposed to do then, the Lord? If we're not to consider it strange, verse 13, but rejoice. Rejoice. That's, that's the key. You've got to make that quick transition from the fiery furnace when, when Daniel's in the lion's den. It, it's time to, to put on your rejoicing. I had a kidney stone some years ago. I said, Lord, how do you want me to be happy in the midst of this? I don't know. Four hours, I thought I was going to die. The last four hours, I wanted to die. Just take me home, Lord. There's, there shouldn't be pain like this upon the earth. Why pain? I was, I was singing, I was shouting, I was trying to rejoice. Glory revealed. I have compassion now on people who have kidney stones. I like to pray for people who are going through that hardship. Verse 15 says, some suffer and go through trials because they are living like the wicked. Let none of you go through a trial for murdering a thief, an evildoer, a busybody, and other people's matter. Don't, don't suffer because you're meddling in other people's affairs. That's not a trial God is giving you. That is, you're putting your business where it doesn't belong. Verse 16, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not consider this shameful, 
but let him glorify God in this matter. James 1.12 says, Blessed will be the man who, after he's endured his trial, has been found approved and receives a crown of life that is according to God's promise to those who love him. That's, that's who overcomes in the times of trials is those who really love God, who stand the ground, who pursue the course. Let's stand to this morning. And, and I want you to know that, that this is common. This is real. This doesn't last forever. Their, their expectations of trials, of sufferings, of hardships, adversity, and it's not something strange. It's not something unusual. It's the faithfulness of God's hand bringing us through these things. And, and I'm, I'm ready to get on the honor side of this humility thing. I'm, I'm ready to get on the, on the reward side of holding on for God. And, and I know for a fact that glory will accompany. Uh, and, and people will be upset. They'll say, you know, a lot of people say, oh, why can't I have a marriage like pastor? Well, you got to suffer like pastor suffered. Well, why can't I be blessed in ministry like pastor? You got to suffer like pastor has suffered. Well, I, I can't be uh, blessed financially. You got to suffer like pastor has suffered. And these sufferings and these trials and these hardships and these difficult manners has created a greater weight of things precious than any money, than any trial, than any setback, than any humiliation that has happened. Um, we see there in... Uh, the book of Esther, that Mordecai was going through great, great hardship. Nobody respected his ministry. He says, what shall be done for a man who has honored the king? He says, grab a white horse, let him wear the king's robes of righteousness and parade him through the streets. And, and that is the, the opposite side of difficulty and hardship. Father, thank you for this time together. We celebrate Jesus we celebrate his goodness in our lives. We celebrate his victory in the cross. We have the expression of one who overcame the hardship and suffering of the cross and now sits forevermore reigning through eternity as king of king and lord of lords. That we might follow in his example. That we might follow his footsteps. That we might also for the joy set before us endure the hardship of our trials and difficulties, the afflictions of our time here upon the earth. We will rejoice for an eternity, O oh God, remembering everything that you allowed to happen to our lives to bring us to the place of great exaltation in your throne, O oh God. We glorify you and thank you and ask that you would add grace to us. Give us mercy in the times of our afflictions, in the time of our lack of understanding. Give us the wherewithal to produce endurance that produces character, that produces hope, O oh God. And hope doesn't disappoint us because we understand your love in the alignment with your purpose, your hand in our life, Lord. Let we not run from your trials, that we not run from your hand, that we not but humble ourselves and allow you to test our hearts that you might know that you are above all things in our life. Give us your Holy Spirit that we might live a life that pleases you, Lord. Allow your favor and your refreshing to come in the days ahead, Lord. Today we understand that first comes humility, then comes honor, Lord. Crown us with that reality, Father God, as we hold on to your promises and we'll be crowned with your life, O oh God. We pray that you bless every family represented here, O oh God.
Father, we rebuke the devil's assignment, oh God, to kill, to steal, to destroy. His hand is not on our lives. Your hand is, oh God. Now be glorified and be exalted and prosper your people in all their ways. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.